common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. Uh, Alan Dershowitz, huge news today coming from the highest court in the land, basically outlawing race as a decision in college admissions. How monumental is this decision? It's monumental. It finally restores the legacy of Martin Luther King. I was there in August of 1973, on the mall, when I heard Martin Luther King utter the following words. I have a dream that my children will someday be judged by the quality of their character, not by the color of their skin. And the Supreme Court today, for the first time, validated Martin Luther King's dream. He said... To Martin Luther King, your grandchildren and great-grandchildren, if they apply to Harvard University in North Carolina, they will be judged by their grades, by their recommendations, by their test scores, but not by the accident of race or religion or gender or any of these other factors. It's a great day for America, a great day for Harvard University, where I taught for 50 years. I don't think very many people in Harvard appreciate that. The president already made a statement about how awful it was, and she promised she would comply with it, but we'll... So, we'll, pro- we'll Professor Ed... Wait, wait, wait. Are they going right. to take down your statue in, uh, on ha- in Harvard? Is that what you said? <laughs> okay. They took that down a long time ago. Uh, okay, oh, Professor Ed, Ed, Ed Cox here. How, how no airtight <laughs> is this decision, or are the professors at Harvard going to find a way around it? They'll find a way around it. Already, Professor Lawrence Tribe uh, had urged Harvard to find a way around it because it was anticipated it would come down. Here's the one little loophole. There used to be loopholes big enough for Harvard Stadium to go fit into it. But now there's a little tiny loophole. What it says is, look, an applicant can talk about his race if his race had an impact on his uh, disadvantage or had an impact on his uh, in, in, in sentiment, incentives to work hard, but you can't use race alone, but you can mention race as part of the whole package. Now, you know, that will be exploited and taken advantage of. And the real question is what the university admissions committees do with that. In the statement issued by Harvard, they emphasized that sentence, which was just a small sentence buried in the yeah. middle of the decision, but that's the one that they're going to focus on and emphasize. So there are going to be efforts to circumvent it. Look, there is a quota system at places like Harvard, Columbia, Princeton, uh, all have quota systems. If you get below 10% of black students, there will be demonstrations. And so they're not going to get below 10%. They're going to keep the quotas in place, but they're going to figure out other ways of achieving those quotas. Now, the real question is, What effect will this have on Asian-Americans, who have really been the group that has been hurt most? Uh, In order to get into an elite school, if you're an Asian-American, you have to have much, much higher uh, grades. And Um, by the way, by the way, Professor Dershowitz, that was the reason. I thought the I was watching the press conference from the Asian student who was the guy who who create who, you know, was the impetus. Right. For that case. For Harvard, he was so eloquent. He's like, look, I had the same grades. I had even better grades. And yet he got turned down to Harvard. He was going to a school in Georgia now. Uh, go ahead, uh, Judge Weinberg. Alan, I think you're absolutely right. The admissions committee is going to wink at it. They're going to look at the essay, which says the impact on, on race on his or her uh, 
history and why he was applying and what he wants to do with his life. Yeah, they're going to go wink, and wink, and nod, nod. Right. They're going to go wink, wink. And well, also so economic status. Alan, yeah. they'll do economic status. So they won't say well, it's race, but they'll say it's well, less than $50,000. Well, here's the thing with economic status. The vast, vast, vast majority of poor and disadvantaged people in the United States are white. The vast, vast, vast majority are white. It may be a high percentage mm. of blacks are also disadvantaged, but the vast majority of disadvantaged people are white. So if they look at economic disadvantage, it's going to give a slight preference to, to blacks, but not others. But let me get, tell you what the real problem is. Harvard didn't take for the most. When I started focusing on affirmative action, 50 years ago and opposing it, writing articles about it, Harvard was taking elite black applicants. They're, they were taking students whose father was a federal judge, whose mother was a hedge fund operator, who went to Groton and Exeter, and they had all the advantages, and they were taking them over a kid from from uh, Kentucky whose mother died of a fentanyl overdose, whose father was an alcoholic, who went to a poor public school and worked his way up and had better grades than the black applicant because the very fact of race counted more than all of these factors together. That's unfair, unjust, immoral. Now, thankfully, it's also unconstitutional. And uh, Professor Dershowitz, we've got uh, former New York Governor David Patterson. Go ahead. So, Alan, I'm wondering, uh, what about the affirmative action that exists now that doesn't have anything to do with race? In other words, if you're... You're an athlete, and uh, they're recruiting you for school. And two-thirds of the time, you get into the school. If you well, are wrong. a legacy of what? Yeah. That's wrong. And I think the schools ought to abolish legacy admissions. You know, that hurts me, obviously. My, you know, my grandchildren went to Harvard. Um, I taught at Harvard. You know, they went to Horace Mann. I, they got admitted on the merits, of course. But the, there, there are advantages to being a legacy and being an athlete. Or living in certain areas. You know, you know the famous story? I was actually at this meeting. Uh, when affirmative action first began, a group of Jewish faculty members went to the dean of admissions at Harvard and said, look, we approve of there being more African-American students, but, but don't take that quota out of the Jewish quota. You increase the number of African-American students by about 8%, and you decrease the number of Jewish students by 8%. And that, that seems unfair. And so the dean said, no, 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 it's nothing to do with being Jewish. We just take students from the inner cities, but not the kind of donuts around the cities. And one professor, I wish it would me, said, Dean, those aren't donuts. They're bagels. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like Westchester and Shaker Heights. And so they were, you know, implicitly discriminating in that way. Yeah. And um, and and uh, look, we want I, I I love the fact that. There were more African-American students in my class over the years because they contributed enormously and a different perspective, particularly when they came from poor backgrounds and had, had seen police abuse and had witnessed it and had experienced it. That's great when you have people's experiences. But race alone. Absolutely. And sends a terrible message. And it, Professor it Dershowitz, but a message of inferiority to. To, to people who are given privilege. Before we let you go, I got to get your reaction to what everybody's talking about this, uh, what President Biden said today. He was asked about the decision. He's furious. Um, and he was asked, is this a rogue Supreme Court? He says it's and, not a normal. He says it's not a normal Supreme Court. Yeah, what's How your about reaction? A president? Well, he should know a little bit more about history. Uh, the Supreme Court over the years has always been very, very conservative. It only became liberal when I was a law clerk with Earl Warren, the Warren Court, uh, starting in the early 1950s. And then it 
turned and became more conservative uh, under Nixon. Then it became more, more liberal. It varies over time. And that's the, the greatness of the court. And that's why we should have uh, term limits. Uh, nobody should have be able to serve 40 years on the court. People should serve 20 years on the court. There should be greater turnover or so. But we have to have a constitutional amendment probably to do that. But, um, uh, it, no, it's a normal court. And as I said before, this was a liberal decision rendered by a conservative court, but it's a liberal decision. Uh, the first person to suggest this was Justice Douglas, Bill Douglas, the most liberal <laughs> person ever to serve on the Supreme Court. Right. And he said, no, you can't use race. You use economic factors, you use personal disabilities, anything like that, but not race. So this is a liberal decision written by conservatives with liberals dissenting. Well, we really had such an amazing turnabout was who's a liberal and who's a progressive and who's a conservative. I think that should be my next book. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. By the way, your book now is Get Trump, which is awesome. And we're thrilled to have you here. Professor Dershowitz, thank you very much. We appreciate you being with us on Cats and Cosby. Thank you. Thank you.